Dare to be Bold is brought to you by J Forks Design's lifestyle accessory brand. Here at J Forks Design's, Dare to be Bold is more than our motto. It's our way of life. For our podcast series, we are interviewing people who live boldly. I'm the host, Casey Forks. For our very first episode, we sat down with Josh Lannon from Warrior's Heart, a healing center with an impeccably moving story. Uh, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us today for this edition of the Dare to Be Bold podcast by J Forks Designs. We are here in Bandera, Texas. My name is Casey. I'm here with Josh Lannon. This is Warrior's Heart. It is a healing center for uh, military veterans and EMTs. Is that right? And Look first responders. And first responders. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit about what takes place here? Yeah, so we're on a 543-acre ranch. Uh, here in Bandera, Texas. It's beautiful, and by the way. Thank you. It was originally owned by Conoco Phillips, and they really did it right. They they built the place. Uh, another uh, oil company, Mac Energy, came in and uh, put a, a ton of money into it. So when we found it, we're like, they built this for a treatment center. They just didn't know it. So our job was to convince them to sell it to us, and, and we did. Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> so we converted it into a, a healing center for our active military, our veterans, and our first responders, police, firefighters, EMS, corrections officers. So those are struggling with chemical dependency and PTSD. That's fantastic. Um, when you say a healing center, like what mm-hmm. types of things take place here? So the first level of care is detox. So from over-medicating, uh, drinking too much, there's an actual detox process. So we have a medical detox here, and then we have a uh, 42-day inpatient program where they go through, it's like a training course, because these guys are used to training courses, right. and gals too. And uh, that's how we designed it. We designed it as a training course that they go through. There's curriculum, uh, there's mm-hmm. events that they do, uh, a lot of team building stuff, and a lot of individual care as well. That's amazing. Um, it sounds like a really great program. Thank you. How many uh, individuals <coughs> do you have here? Um, it's a 60-bed facility. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it typically occupied um, to its fullest? Um, usually, we, is- we purchased the property uh, December 2015. We got licensed in um, April 2016. And then through that process, we started going through our accreditation. So we have the highest level of accreditation in behavioral health. We got TRICARE certified so we can take government insurance. So we had to go through all of these regulations uh, and now we're fully uh, staffed, fully licensed, fully up and running. And we've put almost 360 uh, warriors through our course. That's awesome. So yeah, so it's it's really gaining a lot of momentum. That is really cool. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, when you see these people come in here or they come in and, and you help heal them and, mm-hmm. and they heal, what is the most rewarding part of that for you? Yeah, because I've been one of the guys that have walked in scared to death, not knowing, you know, who's who, what's what, is this deal for real? And um, so the guard's up. And when they come in, there's that hesitation. And one of the things that we do is when we see them, we greet them, we say, welcome home. And that kind of gets a little bit of a shock. A little bit. What? Mm-hmm. Welcome home. It's like, yeah, man, welcome home. Because a lot of our guys have gone overseas, mm-hmm. they've come back physically, but they haven't come back completely. Right. You know, emotionally, mentally, they're still over there. So we want to bring them all the way home, mm-hmm. bring them home here. And uh, it's powerful. So watching them go through that process from the fog in the eyes mm-hmm. to the clarity that starts to come back. And in about three or four days, it's like, yeah, nice to finally meet you. They're like, man, oh my gosh as the body starts to clear and the mind starts to clear. 
then you get to meet the real person. Because yeah. the person seems to, the real person seems to fall behind uh, in the hiding place and the addiction is running the show. Yeah. It's not really them. They're making decisions and doing things that they would never do if they were sober or have a clean slate, uh, clean uh, uh, state of mind. So once you finally meet the real person, then you can begin that healing process, truly going deep and healing. <clears throat> and um, it is very rewarding, you know, when when you get the hugs and say, you saved my life. Yeah. Thank you. Or when the family members come in and they just break down in your arms. It's the fuel that helps us keep going. Right. It really is. And, and no amount of money or anything could ever fulfill that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really in powerful work. Um, now, I will say it doesn't always end that way either. Sometimes the addiction wins. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm out of here. You know, and, and you just you see it. You know, they, they're doing, they're kind of acting like everything's fine, but you can see it. Yeah. Because the, the stands, you can fool the fans, but you can't fool the players. Mm-hmm. So you see it, and you see it in their eyes, and, and it's like, man, I hope he survives yeah. when they go back out. Right. And, uh, you know, some of them, a lot of them come back, and they go, yeah, I wasn't ready. We're like, yeah, we tried to tell you, mm-hmm. so let's do it again. Uh, and that's what we do. We just have that open-door policy where we welcome them back, mm-hmm. and... You know, uh, sometimes it takes two times for, yeah. for them to get it. Uh, but it is very rewarding. Um, I couldn't think of any other work that I'd want to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, technically, I could have retired when I sold a last business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, no, that, that that's not me. You know, sitting on a beach or doing nothing. Is I want to contribute. I want to um, have a higher purpose, higher calling. Let's get into your background a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, how did this become something that you wanted to get into yeah so good question that started back in 2001 I was living in Las Vegas having a good time Uh, my wife was a police officer and uh, I was running nightclubs running country western clubs so kind of the joke was I'd get them drunk and she'd book them in jail (laughs) the full circle (laughs) and uh, it was fun I mean in in our 20s I don't think I could survive it again Uh but I mean hey it was Vegas and all that stuff And I was good at my job. I got a lot of people drunk, and I hooked a lot of people <laughs> up, and, you know, and, hey, you should meet this person and all that. Uh, and uh, we were the number one country club in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah, we'd put about 1,500 people through there a night. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, again, it was fun, but it also took a toll on me. Um, it did, emotionally, physically, spiritually, because I'm naturally an introverted person, just a quiet guy. and. That's like, come on, you got to get the party going. And so I'd get it going, but I didn't know how to turn it off either. Right. So after work, we'd go out drinking. And, and next thing you know, is, is I was struggling with drinking too myself. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget one night, my wife came home in full uniform. And I'd been out on about a three-day drinking bender. And she comes home and I look up. And what I saw was the woman I fell in love with. Because she had lost herself to my addiction too. Uh, you know, covering up, like, where's Josh? Oh, he's just at home sleeping, or I don't know, or, right. you know, she was afraid that maybe I was going to get arrested and, mm-hmm. and come in combative fighting, and that's her officer friends. And so she kind of had, like, a secret life behind closed doors. Right. Like, everything looked good to the outside. Right. You know, middle-class family, and everything looked good, nice car, decent house. But behind closed doors, it, was, it wasn't working. Right. And um, she came home, said, Josh, either... Now, I will say, it looked like she said, with her hand on her gun, either you go to rehab tonight or I'm going to divorce you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, 
<laughs> I was like, okay, uh, I'm in, it. I'm in. But it, it was it was time, you yeah. know, it was a lifeline I was looking for. Uh, and I knew this time was different mm -hmm. because she got her power back, being that I could see it in her eyes. I was right. like, whoa, there's no more games. There's no more, honey, this time will be different. Yeah. I promise. And clean up for a few days or a week and then go back to the same stuff. It's like, the gig's up, right. it's over. So I did, I went to treatment and uh, got the help that I deserved. And that's when really we, I mean, we've, we've been together now, geez, 23 years, been married for 18. Um, <clears throat> but at that time, even though we were married, we were together, we weren't really like hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And when I chose into life, chose into marriage, chose into recovery, that's when it all came together for right. us and started the healing process together. So it wasn't just me being, oh, he's the alcoholic. It was, this is a family problem, yeah. you know, from the stuff that I was doing to how she was handling it. And so we got healthy together. And that's what got me into the field, if you, okay. if you think about it. Yeah. I, I came crawling in the front door yeah. and uh, went through a program in California, became friends with the owner mm -hmm. of the facility. And he knew I had to go back to work in the nightclubs and I was dreading it. Like, oh man, it's just a matter of time, you know, going back into right. the... Putting know. yourself in the same, a similar situation. <clears throat> yeah. Right. I mean, I just left there. I got healthy. Now I'm going to go right back and right. try to be different. It was just a matter of time before it got me. Same friends, same environment. So he planted his seed. He goes, you know, um, when I was drinking, he goes, all I wanted to do was open up restaurants. He had a chain of Bob's Big Boy restaurants <laughs> in California. <laughs> He goes, now that I'm sober, all I want to do is open up treatment centers. Maybe you'll be the same. And I thought, well, you know, I didn't think much of it, but it planted the seed. And um, went back to Las Vegas, went back to work in the nightclub, and here I am on the floor, my earpiece in, you know, general managing it. I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. On a spiritual level, I don't want to be part of a problem. I want to be part of a solution. Instead of ripping families apart, you know, with one night stands and DUIs and all that stuff that goes on in the nightclubs, I want to help people rebuild their, their families again. So I called him up and I said, will you teach me this industry? And he said, absolutely. So that was back in 2001. Wow. Uh, my wife and I went out, we raised some money and we opened our first treatment center in Salt Lake City, Utah of all places. Wow. Yeah. So we went from one extreme to the other. Yeah. But what a great story and how cool that it was that you were able to experience that firsthand because I think that really lays the foundation then for what you know we want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, to have a strong why, you, you got to have that drive because yeah. business is tough. Life is tough. So Salt Lake City, um, mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about that and then where'd you go from there? So we built it from the end user's point of view. Again, I came crawling in, <laughs> you know. So how would I want to be treated? How would I want to be right. greeted? What type of food would I want to eat? How does my wife want to be treated? What type of counselors does she want to talk to? So we built it from the end user's point of view and it worked. And it worked well. Uh, we ended up with six locations in multiple states. Wow. Uh, had a team of almost 100 people working for us. And uh, things were going on great. And we were getting ready to expand into Texas. At that time, we called it a Veterans Healing Center okay. uh, because we had discovered that 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Oh, wow. And it was almost like, is that even realistic? I, it just doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And we had different uh, from our friends and stuff coming back from the war. 
you know, we could see these guys need help. Mm -hmm. And Lisa being a police officer, we have different officers come through our programs. So the question was, well, where do they go? They go to the VA, they go to government institutions, or the police officers go to treatment centers with general population, sometimes guys that they could have arrested. So it's like, hmm. So we started on that process. This is back in 2013. And uh, at that time, a private equity company came to us and said, we know who you are. Uh, You've got a good reputation in the space. We want to buy your company. And at that time, Lisa and I had never sold a large company like that before. And we said, well, we're going to do this. And they said, well, you'll be on a non-compete, but if this this uh, deal goes through, we'll carve that out so you can still do this particular niche. Like, huh. So we continued down that path, and we ended up selling to them uh, in 2013. So we sold all of our, our businesses, uh, you know, all the operations. And um, it really gave us a chance to pull some chips off the table, mm-hmm. think about what we really want to do next. And it's like, yeah, we love this space. Right. We love what we're doing. Now let's focus all of our efforts for this population because they really have earned. Uh, right. And they do like from 911 uh, phone call, hey, my, my child's drowning in the pool, please come. Mm-hmm. You know, to what we've asked them to do in the military, right. overseas. These guys, I mean, they, and gals, they earned us as a community to be there Absolutely. for them. They deserve that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was like, who else is out there doing this in the private sector? And no one was. So that's why we uh, we built Warrior's Heart. That's such a great story. Thank it's you. Really fantastic. Uh, so now, what brought you here to Bandera? Mm-hmm. Just finding this location, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We looked at, geez, probably three hundred properties. We burned out of three real estate agents. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> We're like, we know what we want, and uh, we w- started in Dallas. Houston, Austin, and then down through the hill country. And um, there was this place here called Purple Sage Ranch, and it wasn't for sale. And our real estate agent said, well, we've looked at all the dude ranches and large McMansions and stuff in the area. There's nothing else for sale, but there's a place that we know of it. Let's just go check it out and maybe we'll get some ideas on what you guys are after. It's okay. So when we came here on this property, it was like, this is it. They built this free healing center. So we sent our real estate agent on a mission to find out who owned it. Turned out to be the large, or the richest man in New Mexico. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mac Chase, a billionaire. I'm like, wow, okay, I've never pitched a billionaire right. before. <laughs> we do this. Uh-huh. Put on my big boy pants, here we go. And, uh, and we did, and we told him who we are and what we're doing and why we want to do it. And, he was tough, I will say. Yeah, elderly man in his eighties, and he was just very astute and uh-huh. studied us. And he finally is like, "All right, give me thirty days to think about it." And uh, thirty days later, he said, "Okay, son, you got a deal." Wow. Yeah. So it was really generous of him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was tough, but he was fair. Yeah. And uh, we were in business. Yeah, it worked out amazingly. Well. Yeah. Now, it hasn't been easy. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, so tell us about some of the challenges that you faced. For entrepreneurship, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, one day you're a hero and amazing. You think, you know, you're awesome. And then even <laughs> the next day or next moment, you're an idiot and you're so stupid. And how did I do that? And I mean, it's just up and down. So to be a, an entrepreneur, you really need emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think... Um, 
that is key. Yeah. You know. How do you go about even attaining that or trying you striving for emotional intelligence? Because that's something that I think we have to train ourselves mm-hmm. to have and to, to be aware of even. Right. So how do you go about doing that? You know, on a very simple level, like, okay, if you have a gym membership, you go to the gym. You say, Well, I'm going to the gym, I'm getting healthy. But the next level of that is, okay, but do you have a personal trainer? Because the personal trainer is going to hold you accountable. Right. They're going to put more pressure mm-hmm. on you. Yeah, so that then increases your emotional intelligence because you know it's going to suck. Right. And it's not going to be easy, but the results will be so much better. So and that's the difference between an amateur and a professional is professionals have coaches. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that you want to get into, hire a coach to help push you through that emotional barriers and, and so you can be able to take additional stress. Because that's what it is. How much stress can you manage? Right. And, and keep pushing through to persevere. That's right. And then when you get those wins, celebrate those wins right. and anchor them in so you can build on that momentum. Right. Absolutely. And the other key, I think, too, is financial education. Being aware of mm-hmm. you know, financial education, being able to read the numbers, make decisions, make tough decisions. Yeah. Um, because without money, this whole thing doesn't work. And when I got sober, I made a vow. It's like, nothing will ever control me ever again. You know, this alcohol. Now my wife, she's got control. <laughs> <It's a whole laughs> I'm like, oh, story. I got to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why we're still happily yeah. married, right? <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't want alcohol ever to control me. So yeah. when I found out money was controlling me, it was like, whoa, it was a gut punch. Mm. You know, money controls us. Uh, a lot of us are slaves to money. So yeah. I was like, never again. So let me figure out how to master that. And that was through financial education, learning about. And one of my mentors for that is Robert Kiyosaki, the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So that's where I found my coach, my mentor, to teach me that. So anywhere like where I'm struggling or I want to have a breakthrough, I'd hire a coach or work for free for a mentor and uh, learn. Which is something I think that we all struggle to continue to do and find new places to Mm -hmm. continue learning. Absolutely. Um, And it... I feel like I'm hearing you say a lot too, like it it sounds like you're very um, introspective and you're reflective and you look at yourself and things that you can do and find ways to improve and to continue learning and how important do you feel like that is um, just for people in general and especially people who are looking to sort of push themselves into new places. Yeah, no, you're spot on because the distance between where I am today and where I want to go in the future is between my ears, Mm -hmm. right? It's that little voice that comes up, no, you can't do that, or oh, you don't have enough money, or you're not smart enough, oh, you should go back to school, or your parents' voice, all that chatter, it gets in the way of being who we really are. Mm -hmm. And you have to be introspective, uh, I think, to really take a look and then go, is that serving me, you know, or is it getting in the way? And uh, a lot of times, like, okay, here you, thank you for sharing, push that little voice off to sides, I'm gonna do it anyways. Am I scared to death? Hell yeah. You know, am I uncomfortable? Yeah. Do I really want to be here? No, I'm uncomfortable, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. And I feel like a lot of times too, that, that comfort level and getting out of our comfort zone is even what helps to push us further. It is. And, and you have to have that to, to grow and continue to move forward because otherwise you're just complacent you just, yeah. and you just stay. It's a principle. Right. I mean, think about like working out, you have to add more weights yes. to get stronger. Exactly. So you have to add more pressure, more right. stress to get stronger. Then you look back and go, Man, five years ago, I couldn't have handled anything I'm doing today. Now that is easy. Right. So yes, absolutely. And it, and and even in a case like it's physical strength, but it's that mental strength that really, you realize that you're capable of so much more than you thought you. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm using the physical as an example. Right. But it's mental. It's, it's, it's mental. All mental. It's completely spiritual, mental. Spiritual, right. emotional. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm. So where do you see yourself or where do you guys, where do you see this going? Yeah. So it's, Warrior's Heart is the first private treatment center in the nation. Okay. It really, it, I mean, it is. No wow. one else has done this licensed, accredited, done it the right way. And uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of good organizations out there that are helping our veterans, um, but no one took the behavioral health license treatment care that, that from our background, mm-hmm. and, and are doing this. And um, my wife and I partnered up with an incredible human being, Tom Spooner. He's our partner, and he's on he has the military background side okay. of it, uh, 22 years and or 21 years in in the army and uh, special operations and just a rock star. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has really helped two opening doors in that that side of it. So what I see is that we have the military with the police, uh, we have people on the team of firefighters, so we bring in all of the different disciplines together so when our warriors walk through the doors, they know that this was built by a warrior mm-hmm. for a warrior. It's not a sterile hospital, it's not, you know, it's something that they can go, wow, culturally I fit here. Yeah. And like I said, we've had about 360 warriors now through our program. It's working. The reputation's uh, gaining momentum. This particular administration is behind supporting uh, veterans, so we have a lot of good support there uh, with reimbursements and stuff. So what I see is that one contract, like with the DOD, the Department of Defense, Mm -hmm. can change everything for us, where we'll have multiple facilities all across the United States. So every day we're just, that's our goal, right. and we just keep moving forward and making mistakes and learning from them, growing from them, um, but we really do, we have a plan to expand nationally. That's, I, I absolutely see it happening for you guys, um, you know, just hearing your story and, and all the things you've done so far, I have no doubt that it's just a matter of time Thanks. for you getting there. I figured even to qualify to be on the show, I had to be bold. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So let, let's touch on that really quickly. When, when, if someone was asking or you had to give advice to people about mm-hmm. living boldly, mm-hmm. what, what would you say to them? What, what advice would you give to people yeah. who are looking to just sort of put themselves out there? Um, first, if you're afraid of something, you may want to take a look at it and ask why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that core issue underneath it, there's some huge learning potential. Like, I'm scared to death of public speaking, doing this kind of stuff. So I do it because I'm uncomfortable with mm-hmm. it. It helps me grow. It helps me learn. And uh, out of it, I mean, who knows who's listening to this and how it's going to impact their lives. And they go, you know what? If that idiot can do it, I can do it too. <laughs> right? You know, I'm not special. I'm not, you know, I just didn't give up. Yeah. And uh, I've surrounded myself around some great people. That was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Las Vegas, I was around good people, but they were my partying buddies right. they weren't really my close friends mm-hmm. not all of them but uh, when I quit drinking I found out who my friends were and yeah. who uh, my drinking buddies were mm-hmm. real quick so surround yourself around the right people get a coach get a mentor and get uncomfortable start learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable because that's how we grow yeah you know if like I said if we're complacent then we're really not challenging ourselves yeah. in our lives mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so often people just get complacent and they're just yeah. okay with the way things are. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's great advice. Now it's not easy. No, <laughs> right? it's not easy, right. yeah. But, but that's what makes it worth it, right? It does. In the yeah. long run, I look back and go, wow, you know, I what I'm doing today and traveling internationally and the people I know and just who would ever, I've been to the Pentagon. I mean, Sam's like, I dropped out of high school. 
You know, wow. I was told that you would be nothing. You're lazy, you're incompetent by my teachers. Wow. Part of that drive is like, I'll show you. You know, I wrote a book. You know, I failed English. I'm dyslexic. Wow. You know, I had all of these things that lined up that, you know, alcoholic. I, I was just confused as a kid. I wanted to fit in. You know, I, I didn't know what to do. I just knew that what the what parents and teachers and adults were telling me was different than what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So they were full of shit, yeah. really. So I was like, there's something, okay, I got to figure out my own path here because the path that they're telling me to go isn't really working for a lot of people. Yeah. So I had to be bold, had to go for it. Well, and clearly you have some inner strength that mm -hmm. was inherent within you because a lot of times people hear those voices and start to believe it. Right. And so what would you say to them? I, and you mentioned earlier, just kind of with the chatter mm -hmm. and things, like push that away. But how do you really embolden someone and say, don't listen to what they're saying because yeah. it, it, it can be difficult when that's what you hear over and over. Um, it sounds like a broken record, but again, get a coach, get yeah. a mentor, get a life coach. I've gone to, I've spent more money outside of school and studying outside of school than I ever did in school. I am a lifelong student now. Yeah. I read books, I go to seminars, I do events. I want to learn, I want to grow. Yeah. And that's how it keeps the chatter down by importing new information right. instead of believing the old stuff. Like, wow, that's a great idea. Let me go test that. Let me yeah. go apply it. So that's the big one is become a student again. Yeah. I think and that's... study stuff that you want to. Yeah, exactly. I think that's key too. Find the things that you're <clears throat> interested in and mm -hmm. that you are passionate about. Yeah, in yeah. school I wanted to learn how to ride bikes mm -hmm. and get a girlfriend. Yeah. You know, but they didn't have any classes in that. Like I'm uncomfortable Ridiculous. talking to a girl, so how you know, they're like, Yeah, no, be quiet, sit down. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with us right now? Besides my story, um, I think for the, the viewers and listeners stuff is you can do it too. Mm -hmm. You know, those that have succeeded, there's nothing really special about them or about me or anything. Um, it's just, I didn't give up, yeah. you know, and believe me, I want to, there's many times that, you know, six and hour days and I'm just like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. But to tap into that inner strength, that spiritual strength, and I, I, I'm, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, if that makes sense, because yes. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. There's just so much, I really don't believe the, a lot of the stories and stuff, so it's like, I don't understand it, but I believe that there's something greater than me. Mm -hmm. I really do, and that's why I'm still alive. And um, yeah, it's just to tap into that energy and, and uh, trust it. Mm -hmm. You know, A lot of people believe in God, very few people trust yeah. in God, and whatever that means to you. Yeah. You know, so trust the process and mm -hmm. go for it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I think we got some great information from you. Awesome. Again, this is uh, Warrior's Heart in Bandera, mm -hmm. Texas. So, Josh Lanham, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank you. You bet. That was Josh Lanham from Warrior's Heart. For more information about their facility, you can find them online at www.warriorsheart.com. That's W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S-H-E-A-R-T. And follow them on Instagram at at warriors underscore heart underscore facility. Our next podcast will be available on July 12th, and we are sitting down with David Forks, an artist who shows us it is never too late to chase your dreams and live boldly. Dare to be Bold is a branded podcast from J Forks Designs. This episode was produced by me, Casey Forks, Jenny Forks, and Courtney Cobb. Courtney Cobb mixed this episode. You can find Dare to be Bold on SoundCloud and iTunes or watch on YouTube. 
do us a favor and help spread the news about our show. You can also find us at jforksdesigns.com. That's J-F-O-R-K-S-D-E-S-I-G-N-S.com. I'm Casey Forks. Thanks for listening.